It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in. I hope you've been blessed the last few weeks. We have really been covering the subject of eschatology and and really diving into some very tough subjects, as you know. The last couple of weeks especially, we've looked at the Middle East and biblical prophecy in the subject of eschatology. How do these countries align in biblical prophecy? I mean, after all, the names have changed, but the spirit is the same. The regions of that that part of the world are still the same, though the borders may have been redefined a time or two over these many years. And in this study, we have really examined then how we are to be prepared as the bride of Christ for the coming of our groom, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is coming, and he will establish his millennial kingdom. And so we have been, uh, I think, just encouraged, excited, uh, enthralled to go through this study using the book of Revelation as our roadmap. And we have covered a number of subjects in that. And to help me do that, as always, here in the studio, Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. It's so great to be back. This is going to be an amazing show today. This is a great topic. As you mentioned, we've been discussing eschatology, and we covered the afterlife a little bit. Mm -hmm. We explored the differences uh, between heaven and Abraham's bosom, paradise, and the new Jerusalem. We even examined the differences between the abyss and Hades and the lake of fire. Mm. So at this point, it seems appropriate that we take the discussion down another path in a similar vein of thought a subject that is really popular with some of our listeners, and that's the subject of angelic beings. Mm. Indeed. Well, I mean, it is, well, it, you know, this is Mother's Day weekend, right, after right. all, right? And uh, it, it was my wife who actually uh, uh, encouraged awesome. I th- both of us, I think, on this subject to mm-hmm. say, hey, hey, you know what? We've talked about the afterlife. We've, right. we've talked about some pretty tough subjects related to that. We've looked at the judgment, some of the Bema Seat of Christ and yep. the Great White Throne Judgment. And all of this really wraps around what's going on around us that we, I don't know if you do this, Dr. Ford, but I, I know that I have a, even a tendency of doing this, that you you make your decisions by a lot of your senses. You you see things, you want to fix it, you touch it, you feel it, you, right. you visualize it, uh, and, and this becomes what is real. Right. And the physical world then dominates our train of thought and we fail to examine really things from a spiritual standpoint, right? right? That there's a lot going on around us right now that we can't even see. And like the servant who needed his eyes open, as right, Elisha prayed, great, and the hilltops covered yep. with these angelic beings, right. I, I think we'd probably be blown away, yeah, totally uh, quite frankly, if we, if we just uh, beheld what is right now, even in this room as we're talking about it, yeah. right there in, next to the person who's driving down the road or in yeah. their home or workplace, that they are far from being right. alone. Yeah, I think right. we have no idea. I think yeah. you're spot on. I think that we'd just be absolutely amazed mm. at what is happening in the spiritual realm. Indeed. And uh, you know, Paul tells us a little bit about that, but you cited a great reference when the veil was removed. That's right. An opportunity to really see what surrounds us. Yeah. And we're pretty blinded to it, so it's a... Uh, I, you know, there's a there's a lot to cover on this subject. Yes. So hit me with that first question. What do you got for me? Well, the first one, when we're talking about angels, how many different types of angelic beings do we read about in the scriptures? Okay, so this is this is a great question um, because I I love the just the subject of talking about angels. It, it's one of those things I I think for most folks, you know, they 
maybe they pick up a, a, a Hallmark card or some right. sort of greeting card, right? And then and you've got these little cherubs Chubby on little it. Chubby little cherub. And, yeah, a tiny little harp, <laughs> and uh, you know, especially around Valentine's Day right, or whatever right. it might be. But uh, we, you know, really have lost sight of what's going on in those type of imagery. That type of imagery, we uh, fail to see and behold uh, the the awesome splendor of what's happening around us. And and biblically, there are at least seven different angelic types of beings that are covered scripturally, right? So it's not just angels, which are, I can't wait to meet them. And maybe we have, right? right. We never know if yep. we have exactly entertained right. angels. We don't know if we've dialogued with them. Uh, you know, there, there may be those folks even on the side of the road that may yep. even attest of God uh, for us to, to challenge us a bit. So we, we always have to be mindful that they may be around us at any given time. Uh, so we may have had a, a conversation or two with an angel yeah, and just didn't know it. it. Uh, certainly they're around us and, and unseen. But let's just talk a little bit about that because there are seven. And uh, and what I hope to cover throughout this particular program today and even into next week, maybe even beyond, are what those seven are. And, and let me just cover it in brief. There are two descriptions of the four living creatures. Now, what happens is, is what we try to do is say, well, okay, one is in Ezekiel. Another is in Revelation. They're close enough. And what I want to highlight for you are the differences as we go through this. There actually are different four living creatures around the throne of God. And I believe the reason why there's a difference is because there's probably some that are around the throne of God and around the throne of Jesus Christ ah, and around right. his judicial posture on his throne of judgment. And these that's why you'll see there's very unique differences when we really put them side by side. Right. Then there's cherubs seraphs, archangels, angels, and yes, even demons. So we've got quite an array uh, of all of these angelic beings, and sometimes they all get blurred together. Because as we just talked about at the beginning of the program here, we sometimes think of these little chubby cherubs that we put in our lawn or as a lawn lawn ornament or some display, right? Like next to the gnomes that they put in their lawn uh, or or buy a Valentine card. That is the complete opposite of what a cherub is. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow I don't see one of those little cherubs slaying 185,000 Assyrians. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So there's at least seven. And that's what I would like to be able to cover uh, on this program. So it's a, if that's, if anything, maybe pique someone's interest right, right away. Say, well, wait a minute, I thought it was all angels. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually more complicated than that and beautiful, right? I mean, that's yeah. what we want to cover in some of this, uh, in many, many scripture verses that cover that as well. In fact, in, in the book of Ezekiel, I'll just mention this, that in the first uh, 10 chapters, we have these living creatures that are covered 12 times. And Ezekiel chapter 10 then identifies cherubim. Uh, and then we have the sort of inner circle around the throne of God in Ezekiel 1.12. Uh, we have the seraphim that are mentioned in Isaiah 6.2. Uh, even more, they have sort of a similarity, but they have various functions and uniquenesses to them. I mean, the, the, the number of wings, the number of faces... Uh, whether they have eyes all over their bodies or not. Right. I mean, just a magnificent creatures of God in his throne room. So it w- we'll cover them in detail. No, that sounds awesome. I think uh, I think it's really important to be able to make those distinctions. Like you said, it's so easy for us to blur all those various things together because some of them are fairly similar in their description. Right, yeah. And, and it can cause c- confusion because sometimes we're just not... Uh, astute to it. Maybe we just haven't really examined the differences a bit. Right. That we somehow, we see the word for living creatures, words, 
And we put that together and we say, oh, those are the same four living creatures. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> They've got a different description about them. Right. So well, let's be very careful. We don't just chalk it all up to the same. And that's what we want to go through that. I mean, it's, it's important for us to understand because I think, as I mentioned earlier, the more we understand what's going on around us, perhaps, just maybe, we will be a little less inclined to just think of everything in a physical sense, that, that we're actually more spiritual than physical. And there's more going on around us in a spiritual sense than we have perhaps given awareness to or understanding to that will make us, I believe, better prayer warriors and better servants of the living God, because we'll start to think more spiritually than physically. We'll start to think about what's in the room with us right now, whom we're accountable, how our prayers work, how mountains are moving in our culture as a result of that. We'll have some fire in our relationship with God once again. And and so in studying about angels, we don't want to just fill people's heads with knowledge about angelic beings for the sake of knowledge, but to have more awareness that you're not alone. When you face these battles, you are not alone. You have an encourager, a helper. So maybe if I could, can I just jump right into that a little bit about angels? Let's, Let's just cover them first as we look at, of these seven, Let's look at angels uh, specifically. And, and that word angel actually comes from the Greek word. You have agelos, uh, and it means messenger. That's what it is. It's a messenger of God. That, it, it's not something to belittle them in any way. They are the servants of God, the messengers of God. The Hebrew word malach, uh, these angels were mentioned, for example, 108 times in the Old Testament, 165 times in the New Testament. So wow. you have almost 300 mentions of angels throughout the Bible. So then what we do is we take all of those uh, interactions with angels and, and men and angels with God, and you can see how they operate. We can just get a glimpse, I think, from some of it, and hopefully we can dispel some of the rumors that are out there and all the, yeah, the imagery we have from social media and from Hollywood. I mean, yeah. Hollywood has all of these all kinds of ideas yeah. about angels, right? And that starts to cloud our understanding of what the Bible talks about. Uh, so they're like men. Okay, so they appear in the Bible in the likeness of men. In Genesis chapter 18, that gives us an example. Sometimes they're very bright, right? They, they, they illuminate, they glow. Right. Uh, we see that in Matthew 28, 3. And I don't believe that they're self-illuminating. We'll talk a little bit more about that as, as we go through this study, because it seems to be that their bodies given to them by God reflect his glory right, back yeah. to him. Right. Their very posture, their names, if they're given a name, Everything reflect the glory of God. And this is why we see demons that don't have bodies, right? That that was probably something they lost in the rebellion. We'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead here. But they glow at times. So yeah. they may appear in the likeness of men. They may also appear very brightly. They seem humanoid in figure and form. Uh, there's no females, okay? So let's dispel that right now. Scripture gives us no indication ever of a female angel. And we see that in Matthew 22, 23 to 28, that seems to be something that was reserved uniquely for the human race. You remember that Eve was taken out of Adam. That's right. So ladies, you are special. Yep. After all, this is Mother's <laughs> Day weekend, but you already knew that. You yep. already knew that you were special, unique in creation, one of the final creations of God, and he draws woman out of man, and it's a very beautiful imagery there, but there is so there are no female angels. Uh wings. Okay, let's talk about that. Wings for a moment. Angels may or may not have wings. We're not told that in scripture, but we do see in Isaiah 40, verse 31, that we will soar with wings like eagles. 
like eagles? Is this indeed an actual set of wings, or is it the idea, the visual, that we move them out effortlessly, that there wouldn't be some kind of a resistance to gravity or, or some, some rest- restriction in any way physically? We don't, we don't know exactly the imagery that's conveyed there, but it is feasible that angels may have two wings because we do see specifically that some of the other angelic beings do have wings, and they have very specific purposes for those wings. Some of them have four, some of them have six wings. So it's possible that angels in themselves have two. Sure. Okay, so we can deduce that. But in that, in that deduction, we have to understand as we reduce that information down, let's not try to fill in the blank scripturally. Right. Right. He doesn't tell us, God Almighty does not tell us whether angels have wings or not. Other angelic beings do. We'll get to that. Um, they can blend in with us. Uh, we're told that we won't know if we're entertaining angels, according to Hebrews 13, too. So we may be showing hospitality, and that hospitality we're showing to someone, a stranger, may actually be an angel, a messenger of the Lord, a test of the Lord. We don't know. They have jobs to do. All right? So they don't just simply flutter about around in heaven and right. kind of just hanging out. I right. mean, they actually have jobs to do. They're ministering spirits sent to help those who inherit salvation even when they're still children. Oh, I love that part. That even when we're children, the Lord is assigned because you remember, he knows all things. He is already predetermined, predestined, foreknew. He already knows every decision we're ever going to make. Therefore, right. he already knows every single man, woman who will ever live on the face of the earth who will know him and he won't lose a single one of them. So there are assigned angels specifically as children. Now we see some of this in Hebrews 1.14. And in Matthew 18, 10, they're warriors. All right, we know angels can be very, you mentioned it earlier, right. uh, taken on the Assyrian king of the north, Sennacherib, and his right. 185,000. One angel did that. One angel took out 185,000 men. Okay, so they're warriors of God fighting even alongside men in their battles. <laughs> we see that in Psalm 91, 11, Psalm 34, 2 Kings 6, 2 Kings 19, and Daniel 10. I'll mention that. Praise God for that. Amen. We're not alone. Uh, there's thousands, yes, even millions of them. If we've got the number, I mean, it's sometimes a little difficult to get the math just right, but ten thousands of ten thousands. Uh, you know, we see in Revelation chapter five, verse eleven, in Psalm sixty-eight, seventeen. That'd be like a hundred million or something like that. If you do the math on that, so there's millions. There's at least thousands upon thousands, millions of them. Okay, they have free will. So angels are personal spiritual beings who have intelligence, uh, intelligence, they've got emotions, they've got will, free will. And that's true as we see that there are both good and evil angels. There are those that rebelled. We'll talk more about them, now called demons, in a moment. But angels possess intelligence. We see that in Matthew 8 and 2 Corinthians 11, 1 Peter 1. They show emotion in Luke chapter 2, uh, James 2, and Revelation 12. They exercise free will or even willpower in Genesis 6, Luke 8, 2 Timothy 2, and Jude 6. Angels are spiritual beings. That seems to be a given, right, at Hebrews 1.14. And to a degree, they can take on the appearance of physical form. Now, their knowledge is not all-knowing. They're not God, right? Uh, but they are in the Lord's presence, and they don't know all things as he knows them, but he reveals them to them as he does for us. We see that in Matthew 24, 36. So angels were created as an order of creatures that were higher than humans. 
Now, humans in our current form, when Jesus Christ took on the body of Adam, the flesh of Adam, right, as we are, we're in the flesh of Adam, uh, he was made lower than the angels, right. but then he elevated higher than the angels upon his graduation from this flesh as he defeated death, and he took the right hand of the Father. He is now higher than the angels, and so will we, right? We will judge angels. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Uh, but angels study the Bible and the world more thoroughly than humans do, and they gain knowledge from it. And we read that in James chapter 2 and Revelation 12. Uh, and, and angels gain knowledge through long observation of human activities and how God even works through his church, Jesus Christ through his church. We see that in 1 Corinthians 4, Ephesians 3, and 1 Peter 1. So again, everything I'm citing here is going to come straight out of Scripture. They have free will, and, and they are subject ultimately to the will of God. Good angels are sent by God to help out believers. I love that. Hebrews 1.14. So let me just summarize here. They praise God, Psalm 148. They worship him, Hebrews 1 and Revelation 5. They rejoice in all that God does. In Job 38, they serve him. They appear before God. We see that in Psalm, Revelation, and Job. They're instruments even of God's judgments, right? They're the ones who are doing the separating of men, even in the parable of the dragnet. The angels are the one who will be doing the separating as they're separating the good from the bad and the dragnet, and they're the ones who are the instruments who are blowing the trumpet judgments and so That's forth, right. right? So angels are used even in this judgment. They bring answers to prayer in Acts chapter 12. Uh, they, they aid in winning people to Jesus Christ. So they are messengers of the gospel. We even see one that's like an eagle soaring over the earth in the book of Revelation. And in Acts, uh, let's see, winning the people to Christ comes from Acts 8 and 10. Okay, so in both instances, they're aiding in getting the gospel message out there. They observe Christian order, work, and suffering. This Suffering is not something that they know, right? I mean, this is something that's, it's like a privilege to be able to suffer as Jesus Christ suffered. Amen. Right, We see suffering in the wrong vein right. at times, and yet here they observe it, they're with us, uh, even when the Lord allows us to suffer. I mean, think about angels were watching as Peter was crucified upside down alongside his wife. Right, um, We've got ones that are beheaded, executed for their faith. It doesn't mean the, the angels were absent from the right. moment, but right. they're commended for yeah. their sacrifice. Even those who are beheaded in the book of Revelation are commended for their sacrifice. So they're observing this. And we see 1 Corinthians 4 and 11, Ephesians 3, 1 Peter 1. And they encourage in times of danger. We see that in Acts 27. They care for the righteous at the time of death. Oh, man, what a great encouragement. In Luke 16, 22, we have angelic companions, even in the time of transition or the graduation from this flesh into another, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and that beautiful transition. And I, I just, I love that. Uh, they even play baseball in Anaheim. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> True story. Uh, yeah. Uh, so angels are entirely different from human beings. Human beings do not become angels after they die. Angels will never become and never were human beings. That's right. Okay, so we see that delineated in Hebrews chapter 2. There is a misunderstanding that, oh, I'm going to die and get my, my angel right. wings. I become an angel in Every heaven. Every time a bell rings, uh, an angel gets its wings. Yeah, right? that is yeah. not accurate. That's not biblically sound doctrine. Uh, angels are angels and humans are humans, but we graduate as the bride of Christ to be yoked with our groom forever and ever. Amen. And we will then judge angels. So there is a there is a chain of command there. So the Bible nowhere states that angels are created in the image and likeness of God as humans are. 
All right, in Genesis 1.26, we do see that delineated there. So, so again, some of the misunderstandings will be to diminish the role of man in the image of God. Uh, right now, we are under, uh, remember, as I mentioned before in Hebrews, we do see that. We are lower than the angels, right. but there is that, that chain of command in which we will graduate above them. And and then again, this is not to rub it in their faces. Right, right. now, I've got angels in the room probably right now listening to this. Right. They're not in any way offended by that. Uh, this is just something that we understand our role is in our posture of how we praise God. And all of the other creatures that we haven't even talked about yet all have various roles just like that. They each have either a judicial function, a praise function, uh, a caretakers of the altar in heaven, just like in the tabernacle before God. Every one of them have specific judicial or, or assignment type roles in how they serve Almighty God. So there isn't a jealousy or an envy. The ones who chose Jesus Christ, that chose God the Father, said they are enough. Right. Um, unlike the third of the angels that disobeyed, right? They are willingly coming under the subjection and authority of Almighty God. And so this is not a an issue of, oh, now these angels are jealous of humans because they will judge them eventually. No, no, no. This is a willing service to God to caretake for his bride, the bride of Christ. Right. So that's just a little bit about angels. Wow. And that's just one of the seven, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is absolutely amazing and so illuminating. It's so wonderful. We have God within us, the Holy Spirit. And we have angels as well to watch over us, to bless us, to minister to us. Even as Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah, Jesus after you know forty days, you know, in the wilderness, same sort of thing. The angels were there to to bless him and to comfort him, and they're there for us too. It's just, it's just amazing. You know, God just gives us blessing upon blessing, and so many times we just don't realize it. That's right. And if we just listen to Scripture, it's just so evident His love for us in just so many dimensions. Amen. Amen. So one of the things that you had, had touched on that I thought was was pretty interesting was that one third that rebelled against mm-hmm. God, the angels that have rebelled. What can you tell us about them? Yeah. Okay. So in our brief few moments left together, it's amazing how fast it goes. Uh, but we call them demons. There are fallen angels. So we have angels that have obediently served. That means two third. Two-thirds of all of the angels chose the Lord, and they are willing servants to the Lord and, and delight in his good pleasure. Uh, then you have demons that uh, were deceived by the dragon, Satan himself. Uh, the, these are, so we have now then of these fallen angels, these that we call demons, scripturally called demons, they're led by the fallen cherub, Satan. Okay, They all rebelled against God. They decided that what was being enticed to them, the deception of Satan was sufficient. And so now we have two classes within these fallen angels, within these demons, those that are free and those that are bound. Right Now, they will all be bound at some point in the very near future. They don't all operate that way right now. You see, when Satan fell in John 8, 44, Luke 18, it says that he drew a third of the angels with him in Revelation 12, 4. And of those, they, there are some right now that are in chains awaiting judgment. Okay, now we don't know the why necessarily. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Peter 2, uh, Jude 6, talk about this. And it's possible that it's a, a response from God that they were not following the rules of engagement right. on this earth because God has established rules for them. They're under the law just as we are under the law. And they're all defiant, right? I mean, they're rebellious angels after all. 
And so some of them may have been judged before the coming judgment, bound in chains. That's what Scripture tells us. Could it have been, were they perhaps, possibly, maybe these are the sons of God who mated with women and had what we call the Nephilim, right? right. And you see that in Genesis 6, 1 to 4. We have Numbers 13, Joshua 11, Deuteronomy 3, 1 Samuel 17. So some of these demons have gone into the abyss before the judgment time, this bottomless pit. And we see in Matthew 8, 28 to 34, where the demons were begging Jesus not to come to persecute them or judge them before the appointed time, right? So this is not a place they want to go. And we see that many of them are in the bottomless pit, even for particular fallen bound angels are bound at the Euphrates River awaiting in Revelation 9 to be released in the final hours upon the earth as part of the judgment. Why are they bound at the Euphrates River, these four in particular? We don't know who they are, but we know that they're being prepared for this final hour as part of the trumpet judgments, and the Euphrates River is the northern, actual, the northern border of Israel, right? right? And so we see that as as it runs from uh, Turkey uh, d- down uh, across those northern territories there of the the true border of Israel, not the borders we see it today. And so the fifth and sixth trumpet judgments feature these demons being released from the bottomless pit and from being bound uh, as they are right now at the Euphrates River. So some are free for a season. Some are bound to to come into this judgment season. So they're all Satan's servants and they're all going to partake in the punishment of hell, all right? So they're not going to escape that. They all will come under that condemnation. And we see that in Matthew 25 and Revelation chapter 20. So that's only two of the seven. Wow. And we're already out of time. So we'll cover more about this over the next couple weeks. We'll get into the four living creatures, both sets of them, the cherubs and the seraphs, archangels. We'll talk a lot about them over the next couple weeks. So as you've been listening to this, I hope you've been encouraged Dr. Ford, it's always a pleasure, and we run out of time so quickly. And I want you to to go back and re-listen to this time and time again. Share it with your friends and family. You can find this broadcast and more at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We would love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.